Coming up on today's edition of the Chase Notes Podcast, Chris Muller, 93.7, the fan up in Pittsburgh to talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we talk about the rebuild slash retool and how that's going. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, Mike Tomlin, uh, the transition of power uh, with Kevin Colbert retiring and how that's going, free agent grades, how they're going to approach the draft, and then George Pickens and why uh, the ceiling is so high for the Steelers standout wide receiver one out of Georgia. All that and more coming up right for this. I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Thursday night. Chris Muller, ninety three point seven. The fan is here. Chris, good evening, sir. How are you? Chase, I'm good, man. Glad to be on with you. Thank you for being here. Um, it's funny, like I, I went back and watched something. I forgot like about your your feud with Joey Porter over a different Chris oh. Miller. So I watched that whole thing oh. uh, this afternoon about the wrong guy because Chris Miller is not a, really a common name. There aren't many, uh, so I could see. But man, <laughs> just a, what are the odds of getting in that kind of spat with that was, uh, that a legend was the like Porter? Thing. That was the weirdest thing. So there was like the uh, so I say Chris Muller, and then the yeah. other guy says Chris Mueller, even though it's spelled the same. I know yes. the guy. He actually did break a story that involved Joey Porter, where Joey uh-huh. Porter ended up being like completely, I think, really cleared of any real wrongdoing. Like there was kind of some overzealous, uh, like I guess, policing going on down there. It was one of those deals that kind of just faded away. Yeah. And then I mentioned it in a tweet, and somehow Joey Porter, who made it very clear to me that when he was in my face at a celebrity golf outing, that he doesn't go on Instagram or post pictures of his food or do social media. He made it very clear that he had somehow, uh, despite having that approach to social media, seen the tweet that only mentioned him in passing and then got very mad about it. It was just very bizarre. Uh, and, you know, I would have taken the punch for several hundred thousand dollars in legal damages, uh, but it, it didn't get to that point. The surreal part of it was, I had to like leave my broadcast position because he was swearing. So he was like basically threatening to knock us off the air by swearing so loudly that we kept having to dump our audio out as he's given me a hard time and really getting on my case and getting in, not in my face, but like, you know, loudly yelling at me. He is literally signing autographs for people without looking at them, which is just, it's like an only in Pittsburgh thing. There's people walking up to Joey Porter for obvious reasons, wanting an autograph. He's a great Steelers player from back, in, you know, not even back in the day, like not even 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he's just signing. Yeah, here you go. While just never taking his eyes off me. Just a ridiculous, ridiculous scene. I I mean, that's amazing. I mean, 
what because the pittsburgh i I don't know what the timberman is because like we know what the i mean i grew up in atlanta and it's just like atlanta it's fine you can live a pretty normal life you're an atlanta sports athlete like i for instance here's how laid back it is in atlanta i uh i remember running seeing wes wilcox uh former hawks gm now the assistant gm for the the kings at, at a game and i was just like walking back to my seat like he's just over there in the middle like area he's like seven rows up and i'm just like hey wes and he's like startled like that someone rec- like he's just in with the fans like no one had any idea the general manager of the team is just sitting there right in the middle and i just have to look around I'm like oh wes wilcox and i just thought he was startled and that's just that that was not the the epitome of atlanta sports where it's like you can really hide in plain sight and people just leave you alone right. for the most part um it it was just it was it was a fun time. I don't know if Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's like, like that. It's different. Like Andrew McCutcheon, obviously for the Pirates, like he would be people know who he is. It's a it's, yeah. Pittsburgh either gets described as the smallest um big city or the biggest small town. That's what people always like to throw out there, which is both hmm. of them are true. Like people obviously recognize a guy like him when he was in like the prime of his popularity back in their, you know, his MVP run, their big, you know, run of good years from 13 to 15. And people would just like, he said he liked it here. A lot of like athletes end up settling here, not only because it's cheap to live here, comparatively speaking, but also like people tend to like recognize you and like they'll give you a hey, mm-hmm. like we really like you, but generally they're very cool with these guys. So if you're a stealer, it is a little different. Like those guys tend to get mobbed a little more, but like out in public, for example, if the old Steelers GM, Kevin Colbert, you know, first yeah. year off the job. You know, Kevin went to my high school. So, like, if I see Kevin, I'm like, hey, Kevin, what's up? And he knows who I am. I know who he is, et cetera. But, like, mm. if other people run into him, generally speaking, it would be a lot of, like, mm-hmm. nobody would actually go up to him and, like, bother him, which is, yeah. I guess, is a cool thing about the town. I like that. Um, what's your biggest, spe- like, what? It, who is, uh, I don't even know if you can answer this question, but, like, who has gotten the maddest at the radio station? Which Pittsburgh Steeler in the past has been the most, or coach, GM, like, who's actually been the most upset about? I mean, uh, uh, I, w- I would not say Tomlin or anybody like that because yeah. they've been very successful. Colbert is a Pittsburgh guy. So, I mean, yeah. you know, when you're successful in his position or in Tomlin's, and in Kevin's case, when you're a Pittsburgh native, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of built up uh, kind of cred that you have with the fans. And so there's not a lot of anger there. I mean, Porter got pretty mad at me for sure. Mm. Um, my co-host who I would, I think I'm being fair to say my co-host Andrew Filipponi has a little bit more of a reputation of kind of stirring the pot. Mm. Um, Bud Dupree slid into his DMs and was basically threatening to, to beat him up. Uh oh, because he might be back, right? Wasn't he in yeah. Pittsburgh today? Bud's in Pittsburgh uh, as of today, and as mm. one beat writer was tweeting out, like when guys come in like that for visits, they tend to uh, not leave without new contracts. So <laughs> Bud comes back. We might have to set up like a me and Bud, I guess, versus Porter and my co-host Andrew, like a mm-hmm. tag team match. Mm-hmm. And then it might just turn into Bud and Porter teaming up to beat the crap out of both of us. I don't know. Uh, but mm. no, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, B- Porter and Bud are two big ones. Um, I honestly think those are probably the two leaders in the clubhouse, believe it or not. Like Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger did a show um, with our midday show, and he would say provocative stuff, and he would get the Steelers mad that he had said it. It was great radio for us. Uh, I don't mm. think he's not a fan of mine and you know, vice versa, but he never like – you know, Ben never made it clear. Ah, oh, this guy sucks. Whatever. He was above that. Basically, he didn't need to. 
Uh, AB, believe it or not, never got real mad at us. Um, hmm. In fact, after he kind of burned all his bridges on the way out of town, he still, I think he still popped back on the station at least one time randomly to like give his side or something. So hmm. I would say Bud and Porter. I would say those are actually the two big ones. Who's the nicest stealer that you've ever been around? Um, Cam Cam Hayward's like just Hmm. an extremely, extremely, extremely Georgia guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, we claim him too because Iron had went to Pitt, so like we kind Uh, of okay. So, but yeah, Georgia guy. Obviously, it was a big deal when Connor scored the touchdown against the Falcons this year. They had Mm. Cam talked and got emotional about like going to see his father's gravesite and everything else. Um, he's an unbelievable dude. He's phenomenal in the community. Uh, I would say also, like, historically, this is a guy who now does sideline reporting for the Steelers, uh, Max Starks, he's hmm. a mountain of a human being, Florida guy, obviously, uh, like 6'8", 350. When I, when I was, like, just starting out in the business before I even worked for the fan, I was assigned to just, like, quickly cover a, um, like, a Steelers ring ceremony. This would have been, I guess, in 09 after they had won the 08 uh, season Super Bowl. Max had to be the biggest human being I'd ever seen in my life at that point. I was just like, this dude is massive. And I'm like an average, I'm like six feet tall. You know, I'm not like a small like person. He is just huge. Like the side, like, you know, fills a door kind of dude, mm. right? Like the French doors behind me. He just walked through and engulfed those doors. The nicest dude ever, like the most soft spoken, just friendly guy. I mean, most of these guys are pretty chill and pretty friendly. Like mm. obviously I'm a, I'm a person who would say a lot of guys get a bad rap, but Hayward definitely among the active guys goes way above and beyond as far as just being like a genuine good dude. I like it. Um, switching gears a little bit to uh, on the field and what's going on in Pittsburgh. I think they're just in a really fascinating uh, time, Chris. And I want to want to pick your brain on them because I feel like the Falcons have kind of fallen in the same way uh, with Pittsburgh. And I think there's a lot of parallels between, um, what the Falcons are doing the last couple of years and what the, the Steelers have done post Ben where like the Falcons going post Matt Ryan did not end the way you wanted it to end. And for me, like I've only had one blip one year where the Falcons are walking in the QB, uh, QB wilderness where you just had the Byron left, your old friend Byron left, and, uh, Joey Harrington for a season. That was it. Like the Bobby Trino year. And then, Matt Ryan comes in. So you had Michael Vick and Matt Ryan for all basically just <laughs> the last just 20 years of my life. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just been normal. And Steelers fans have just had this really nice thing with Ben Roethlisberger for a really, really long time. And then you're like, oh, this is what it like. You're waiting for Ben to retire so you can move forward. And you're like, it's clear it's not going to we're not going to win enough. We can gobble up these regular season wins, but it's still come playoff time. Like, it's just it's not going to be enough. Sure. And then you draft a quarterback in the first round that I don't think anybody saw coming uh, with Kenny Pickett. A lot of people just were like second round quarterback. Uh, it just seemed like he was going to be second round. I think it was late, so it, it felt right. But like it just didn't seem like anyone was going to take one. It was a really weird uh, quarterback draft by and large. And uh, obviously him being a Pittsburgh guy, is, there's a cool uh, story there. But like everyone obsessed with his hand size, which I'm sure you all talked about ad nauseum oh, up in Pittsburgh. But what are where are fans feeling like right now? Because they're now in the wilderness. Like he's flashed a little bit, Pickett's flash, but like it, there's no guarantees. You're still following first ballot Hall of Famer and Ben Roethlisberger. Like, are they uneasy that it seems like Pittsburgh's trying to retool rather than rebuild? 
Um, because they never did the full on teardown. They never did the like we're blowing this oh, they, thing. Yeah, they don't all believe the way in up. that. No, they don't believe in the full on teardown at all. Um, man, that's a complicated question. A couple of things. I mean, I do mm-hmm. think there was a huge uh, slice of the population here that was ready to move on from Ben Roethlisberger. That they had just decided, like, hey, this isn't you know this isn't working. Kind of what you said. Like, they might be able to win some regular season games. Tomlin's allergic to losing seasons, but they're not gonna mm-hmm. they're not gonna go anywhere uh, anymore with Ben. So that was one thing. I do think there was just a an appetite more than you might think for change. Like just, mm. but we're cool with something new here. Finally, the thing that got people was Mike Tomlin because Ben at the end, after a guy who came into the league and he was so athletic, he was you know kind of like build like Josh Allen, maybe not as pure of a runner as Allen, but like if Ben comes into the league in 2014, it's a totally different ball game as to how he gets utilized and probably is trying to run more. Um, he couldn't move at the end. And so Mike Tomlin had sort of like people around Pittsburgh thought like, okay, are they going to take a quarterback from like a weak draft where like maybe one of these guys is seen as maybe a first round pick. Mm. Obviously that guy was picket for a lot of people, depending on what you liked, if you like pro readiness, but Tomlin had talked so much about a quarterback mobility. It's hard to defend. It's something we covet. Like, okay. So people start to connect the dots. Like Desmond Ritter, I I think they liked his makeup. It turns out he was second on their list, but what Mm. people had to connect dots for was, Oh, he wants Malik Willis. He wants this project, but this dude who's just this freak athlete, like if you harness Malik Willis and turn him into an NFL quarterback and and you get over the concerns people have, well, guess what? You're going to have the next super duper star, right? And I think people tricked themselves. Tomlin took him out for chicken wings at his favorite wing place down in Lynchburg, Virginia or whatever. There was that photo too, right? Of Tomlin smiling at his pro day. Yeah, I mean, people... Mm -hmm. It was one of those dudes like do deals chase where like people were trying to make it happen. And mm. I'll even say this. My co-host thought it would happen and didn't want it to happen. And I actually mm. did say like, eh, if you're going to take a big swing, take the biggest one, go for the guy, you know, with with the highest potential, which I do think Willis had. And my co-host was like, oh, no, we, they got to get picket. They got to get picket. He had kind of hitched his mental wagon to that. But nobody, you know, they went to Kenny Pickett's pro day and because it's right. It's walk across the parking lot (laughs) and they go over there. And like, we were there too, that day our station was my show was, and Kevin and I are exchanging pleasantries and Tomlin's there, but Tomlin's like, he's kind of just like, Hey, I'm Mike Tomlin. I'm the biggest name in this building right now. Like here, here I am. And Pickett went through his, his work and they didn't have that like Mike Tomlin front and center vibe. Right. So everyone started to say, okay, he really wants Malik Willis, blah, blah, blah. Well, everyone kind of just like looked past the obvious. They had gotten to watch Kenny Pickett for five and a half years or whatever. Like they mm. they had the front row seat to this guy coming up as a freshman, winning against like number two Miami at Pitt, then kind of being in the wilderness himself for a couple years at Pitt and not figuring it out, then putting it all together and having this great senior season where he's balling out and beating Clemson and doing things like that. And people just overthought it when the truth was the Steelers liked him my understanding is by far more than anybody else in the hmm. class. It wasn't particularly close. He was their guy, but instead of telegraphing that, they were just like, yeah, I mean, we've seen him. We know everything we need to know about him. Why would we go overboard, per, like looking interested in him? Let's go do our diligence on these other guys. Um, and then so to get to a roundabout way to, to answer the rest of the question, I don't think people here are split into two camps because it's weird. Like when you have a quarterback from the from the hometown school, mm. there's the echoes of Dan Marino. They passed on Dan Marino at 83. Like no one's ever let the Rooney family forget about it, et cetera. And Marino, we know what 
one of the 10 seven most physically gifted quarterbacks ever, maybe even top five, like for the, mm. you know, just pure Pickett is not that guy. He's a very, he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He's got good size. He doesn't have great size. He's got a good arm. He doesn't have a great arm, et cetera. So you get people saying, Oh, they reached. Well, they, they didn't want to have Marino slip through their hands again. And in so doing that, they drafted a guy way before they should have. Okay. Then there's the other camp that's fully invested in he's going to be really good. He'll be. Is that the louder camp? Uh, I'll get to that in a second. I'll answer that one in a second. Mm. That camp exists and it's they'll say, oh, they'll surround him with good players. He'll be like 80% of Joe Burrow and 80% of Joe Burrow in the right situation can be really, really good because that's who he gets comp to all the time. And that's who the NFL.com scouting report comp him to. Then you've got this other weird dynamic of Penn State fans because Allegheny County, where Pittsburgh is, highest percentage of Penn State grads in the country of any one county. Hmm. Well, they hate a pit guy. They're not going to cheer for him. Mm -hmm. You'll get all this slagging of him on Twitter. Like, he sucks. He's terrible. Why do they care? They don't play him anymore. They're running from it. They don't play anymore. That's a real rivalry, though. Isn't that what a rivalry is? But is it a rivalry when you don't play? Well... They played four times and Penn State got three of them and they should play yeah. every year. But yes, I see your point. No, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they still like to slag them. So to answer the last part of the question, I do think that right now there is the the, the arrow is cautiously pointed up. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people love George Pickens. I think Deontay Johnson having zero touchdowns, people see that as an anomaly. Um, you know, I think they like what they've done so far to sort of help him out in year two, going into year two. And then what he did at the end of the year last year is sort of the big, this is why you can be optimistic. That Raiders game, like what, days after Franco Harris passed away unexpectedly, he goes right. And this is the thing about football. And this is, you know, this, I mean, you can make a big impression with, you know, one drive in an otherwise lackluster game. He wasn't good against the Raiders. Hmm. Then they get the ball back and they have a chance to win the game. And he walks them right down the field and kind of makes it look easy. And the Raiders kind of helped them with that, but he still made the plays to win the game. And he made the throws. So that's one thing. Then going on the road in Baltimore and making even more high-level throws. Oh, okay, there's him hitting Steven Sims over the middle for like, a, you know, the window's the size of my laptop screen and he puts the ball through it. Or he's on the run and he's getting chased and he flips one over to Harris for the winning touchdown. Like then people go, okay, you know, on one hand, the, the stats still weren't very good. On the other hand, like, that's some stuff you can't teach. That's some big boy plays. Like if Patrick Mahomes makes that throw to Harris, it's leading Sports Center that night because mm-hmm. it's a Patrick Mahomes. It's another Mahomes moment. So I think the needle, the arrow, whatever you want to call it, is pointed up for people. But it's not like a this dude is definitely going to be a superstar. It's more of a hey, I'm more optimistic about the guy than I was maybe when they drafted him kind of deal. Does he str- has he shown enough, or is it still way too soon to say that like he's shown enough to like they? Too soon. Yeah, too soon. I mean, there's a lot of variables, too. And I know this is somebody that you probably would want to ask me about, so I'll just jump right in. I mean, Matt Canada has one of the thinnest resumes as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He just does. I mean, he had one good, great year at Pitt Mm. where all the window dressing and stuff, things that NFL teams do, but he put up huge numbers. They had a power running game, and, like, they had also Brian O'Neill playing tackle. They had James Conner. Like, they had dudes. Brian Mm. O'Neill. You know, I'm, I don't know if you pay attention to random tackles in Minnesota. I know he got hurt, but like that guy yeah. was a stud right, and has been really right off the bat there. I mean, Connor had a huge year touchdown wise last year. I know it's college, but Nate Peterman, 
yeah, very familiar to you. Nate Peterman was a good college quarterback at Pitt who could run that offense. And so I mm. think the big question with Kenny is like, do you have the right play caller here? Because mm. everyone sees what having certain guys who really know their stuff does for other quarterbacks. Like if you told if you told Steelers fans that they could make one addition to this team at any team, coaching staff, whatever. I honestly believe most of them would say I'd trade coaches right now and Mike Tomlin to San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan comes to Pittsburgh. Hmm. Bump Matt Canada out of there completely or you know, tell him to take a hike or you're you're an assistant quarterbacks coach now. Who cares about you? And now here's this offensive genius scheming it up. Why is he but, back? What, Matt Canada? Yeah, why is he back? Is it is Tomlin like what I guess it just because he of a royalty thing? He recruited Mike's one kid, Dino, to uh, play at Maryland. I mean, people think huh. that, that is a legitimate connection. They've drafted random Maryland players. Um, hmm. I think I think that definitely played like a small role, but I think it's more the overall familiarity. Tomlin probably felt like hey, I've seen this guy, you know. Yeah, I think I think the Steelers have. I think a very fair criticism is they don't spend enough on their coaching staff. Uh, they also are way too. Uh, comfortable with being familiar with guys. Oh, they've got to have a Pittsburgh tie or they've got to be guys that are within the organization. Um, and in Tomlin's case, probably the fairest critique of such an accomplished coach is he has no tree whatsoever. Hmm. He hasn't hired guys who have worked their way up through the Mike Tomlin coaching staff and then gone on to big jobs elsewhere. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing there. And so the why candidate, is that? Do you think? I do think he likes hiring guys who are more lifers, older guys. Hmm. I do think Mike Tomlin likes having a ton of control and power. And and honestly, like who wouldn't, you know, and it works. He, I works, but I mean, they haven't won a playoff game since 2017. So I, I can start saying like, you know, there, there are a few coaches who I think have a longer individual drought. I think Ron Rivera does like you see Bill hmm. Belichick hasn't, you know, he's not been to the playoffs to the last three years or whatever. And Robert Kraft is starting to put pressure on him. Hmm. No such thing happening here. If it's good enough for Robert Kraft to pressure the guy that is going to go down as probably the greatest coach ever to, into saying like, hey, he wants to break Don Shula's record. We'd like to see him break it here, but we're not just going to basically turn the franchise over to him to that end. Mm -hmm. You kind of wonder about that with Mike Tomlin. Like, should they be telling him from the top down, you need to hire, you know, look in a different way of how you hire people. The problem is Art Rooney. He talks about running the ball all the time. Like every every hmm. end of the season post more, oh, we got to run the ball better. And it's like, well, it's not the NFL right now. You know, the NFL is a passing league and a quarterback league. Why are you talking about drafting a running back two years ago and Najee Harris in the first round when nobody does that anymore? Why are you talking about you've got to run it? You've got to run it. You don't even need to run it to do play action passing. So, so he has a lot of influence in the football ops. Uh, I mean – he he signs off. I think he gives Mike Tomlin a ton of influence, and I think just both of them combined have sort of an antiqu antiquated, old school way of viewing how mm -hmm. games are won. Like Tomlin's a defense first guy. Like that's that's his bread and butter. They have a ton of money invested on that side of the ball. I mean, and then I guess you go back to the Kevin Colbert retirement, right? Like I think a lot of Steelers fans were like, "Oh, we're about to modernize this front office and kind of." enter a, a new era of Steelers football has that it doesn't sound like that's really or is that another just too soon like we just we still have to wait and see uh with the new regime in the front office 
So I actually think um, early returns are very positive on that front for the Steelers. Uh, okay. Omar Khan was known as like the capologist. You yeah. know, every team has one, and he's their guy that does the contracts, makes it work. And then they hired Andy Weidel, who is a you know Pittsburgh guy who was on Howie Roseman's staff and was their director of player personnel. He kind of built the Eagles, so like that's mm. a pretty good resume. And one of the big questions was Tomlin and Colbert work so well together. How much leeway was Tomlin going to give Andy Weidel to actually do his thing? Or was he going to want to say, okay, Kevin's gone. I'm kind of consolidating some of that power. Well, early returns right now are they know what Andy Weidel did in Philly and they respect it. And they're letting him kind of cook here a little bit in the offseason mm. because he's hired. He's hired. He's signed a bunch of big dudes to play interior offensive line, create competition. Uh, they just got Keanu Neal today which is more of a Tom Falcons thing. legend yeah yeah exactly because they they liked him when he was in his draft year and that's one of their big habits that's like why Bud Dupree's back they like their own mm. guys coming back for like third contracts I'm not crazy about it hmm. and they like guys when guys hit free agency that they liked in a particular draft year they always sniff around those players even if it's hmm. like you know cast off level guys like I don't expect Keanu Neal to be great the star in that secondary is Minka Fitzpatrick but they're comfortable with that style of player. Uh, I think Andy Weidel, though, has had a ton of influence. He's hired, he basically signed a bunch of Eagles guys, you know, mm. dudes he was familiar with. Um, they have more versatility. Their line was healthy for all but 47 snaps last year. They're starting five offensive linemen played together. So, like, they did get better as the year went on, but you're not going to be that healthy. So, you have to have better players, which they do now. Uh, and then I think the other thing I would say, Chase, that is, Exciting about this front office, and I like the work Kevin Colbert did, don't get me wrong, but they were chasing stuff they shouldn't have chased in the draft. Like they would try, they went the Devin Bush trade disaster. Mm. Trade up and get him and pick him was a mess. And I hated it almost from the get go because inside linebacker, off ball linebacker, you know, pick the best one in the league. I know who my pick is. It's Fred Warner. Mm. He's a third round pick or whatever. Like you don't take premium capital. That's the running back of defense now. And they were still chasing it because of Ryan Shazier's, you know, the way his career ended. Well, Andy Waddle and Omar Khan have combined. They bring in two guys who are going to be their two starters. And it's at like pretty much bargain prices, which is what mm. you should be doing. Are they going to be great players? Probably not. But does that matter? Also, probably not. Like they brought yeah. in a dude who can cover a little bit and a dude who can thump. And mm. they didn't pay either guy, you know, Landon Roberts is going to play downhill. Cole Holcomb's got a mullet and he's going to try to cover people. And the cost is not prohibitive. And that I think is sort of a sign that you've got newer school ideas that are being allowed to take shape within that front office. So what would you give them grade wise in free agency this year? I'd say solid B plus. I'm like on the fringes of a minus. Uh, I do think that they've done little subtle things um to make themselves better more fortified for next year like i said they created competition that what they've done that i think is really good is they have definitely isolated hey where do we have to go in the draft i think a good free agent hall doesn't have to be a bunch of sexy big names big big ticket items it's have you pared down your basic needs such that you make that draft board and know where you need to plug holes via the draft and i think they've done that where do you think they go position-wise in the draft? Where where do you think they hit? So the big question I'm trying to answer right now is, do they trade up to try to get one of the three big tackles? Uh, my personal hmm. pick would be Jones from Georgia, Broderick Jones, because I think he's yeah. got the highest ceiling. skronsky has got his T-Rex arms and everything like that, but he's the tape is super clean. And then Paris Johnson's just a potential you know, franchise guy, just yeah. kind of in that mold. 
I think they either do that. If one of those guys drops a little bit, depending on how those first 10 or 12 picks play out, they would try to make a play. Uh, so you don't think they we'll, would go corner there? You don't think they would trade up for a corner like Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter no, Jr.? No, I don't think they trade up no. for one. I think no. it's more likely they try to find a corner at 32. They're horrible at drafting them under Tomlin. Like Belichick hmm. can't draft wide receivers, bizarrely. Tomlin hmm. can't draft corners. Uh, Artie Burns, you start saying names like that in Pittsburgh, Artie people start kind of, they get, they get uncomfortable. Artie, you, you have a hard time remembering Artie Burns because he barely. No, no, no. I remember Artie Burns, and I'm like going back through like all the other ones. I'm trying to think like Deshae Townsend. I'm just going through Camp like Sutton, Wilson from Mississippi, and he never played yeah. it down in the NFL. Justin Lane from Michigan State, like their only guy. Justin really, Lane. No, their only guy that's really panned out is Cam Sutton, who now they lost. Well, hold on. There was a reason for that. There was a reason for that. My buddy Ramon Foster would probably uh, agree with you on that one. Also yeah. a guy I would lump in as one of the nicest Steelers alive, Ramon Foster. Um, no, so uh, when it comes to the draft, I think corner yeah. at 32 is better. Hmm. Um, I think ultimately they're not going to take Joey Porter Jr., which is sort of the this year's trendy, oh, they've got to take him. Tomlin knows him so well. I think he's either going to be gone. Yeah. Or I just I hope don't the Falcons take him. Like yeah, I, I, I Falcons need another corner opposite AJ Terrell. Right. I just don't think they're going to take him uh, mm. if he's even there. Um, what would be interesting is if all the tackles are gone and there's been a run on corners too. If he's sitting yeah. there, then maybe. But I, I think if any of the three big tackles gets anywhere near them, they might try to package like pick 49 and move up. Would you, but it's funny you talk about the Belichick can't draft wide receivers and y'all can't draft corners, but y'all can draft wide receivers. Yes, and- they can. Like, what are the odds that they draft a receiver at one of the two there? One of their first I picks. think very low for the exact reason you just said, though. They can draft them. I mean, mm. they can pick them. So, like, a name that's been connected to them a lot is actually another Tennessee guy, Cedric Tillman. Yeah. Um, Had the game-winning touchdown catch in Pitt and Heinz Field this past year. You no, know, thank you for the reminder of that. <laughs> um, that game hurt. Uh, no, I, I mean, they've it. been connected to him. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Downs from North Carolina is a guy that's yeah. been coming up the boards for people really fast. And and I think people feel like he might go earlier than they'd be comfortable taking a guy like that. But mm-hmm. I just think they believe with good reason that they can find wide receivers after the first two rounds and almost mm-hmm. plug and play. Like, I think a lot of that was Roethlisberger being really good, but they obviously have sort of a an archetype or a, a guy, a kind of guy that they're looking for. And it tends to work for them. Chase Claypool not being a star for them was just like one of those things like now you're like, oh, of course you just give up. You move on from Chase Claypool. And everyone was like, he's not going to do anything in Chicago and all that. But like, I remember at the time it was like, oh, Plaxico 2.0. Like this is a future Hall of Famer. Like you just they get the benefit of the doubt immediately uh, when it comes to receivers. And it's just kind of crazy to see how the Claypool stuff actually ended in Pittsburgh. Because if you go back and read the takes from uh, years ago on the Chase Claypool where it's like, oh, the Steelers do it again. How do they get? Uh, how do they get this guy? He's going to be a goal line menace. He's going to do yep. this. He's going to do that. And it's just it's all a crapshoot, man. It's just we never know. In his case, I mean, it was there was a reason he ran a four four two or whatever the heck it was at six four two thirty five and dropped mm. the second round. It's because he didn't play six four. He played like a guy who was five eleven. He didn't go up and win fifty fifties. He never got yeah. better after his rookie year. Really, um, I thought Omar. That was another thing. Omar Khan trading him for the thirty second pick was like yeah. very much an out of character in season thing for them to do, and that obviously looks like a heist yeah. right now. Um, so I mean, look what they have. George Pickens is top five, pure talent, like already in the league. 
Well, like that was like going to be my last question for durability. you. He is a monster. And he he has, as the kids like to say, and I'm an old man now, pushing 40. Mm-hmm. He has, in fact, got that dog in him. Mm-hmm. And Chase Claypool very much did not have that dog in him, in my opinion. I mean, is the path, like, is there a path to George Pickens being the best wide receiver in the NFL in the next two to three years? Ooh. So I'm going to, I'm going to say no, only because like Pickett, I think can be good to very good, but I mm-hmm. think for it to be the best in the league, the quarterback has to be in that elite three to five range. Mm-hmm. I would say Ben usually existed in that five or six range when AB was on his reign of terror through the league. Uh, ABA, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver since Randy Moss. Personally, mm-hmm. I put him above Julio by a little bit. Um, and so I think Pickens will probably exist just outside that like top three to five range. I mean, Jefferson and Chase, I think, are going to dominate the league for a while. Um, but Pickens can get up there. I think it would. I'll tell you this. If he actually is recognized at any point as the best guy in the league, that means Kenny Pickett has done big work. And that means mm. like they are in very good position because Pickens will have sort of evolved his route tree. Pickett, or uh, did I say Pickett there? I always get them. I cross them up all the time. Pickens mm. will have evolved the route tree. Pickett will have improved as a quarterback. So if he's getting even sniffing that kind of recognition, then that means very good things for their offense. But I mean, pure talent wise, the dude does things that just aren't normal. And he, he has that, that like ability I'm trying to think. I'm trying. You're wearing a Braves jersey. Like I, mm. you know, the Pirates won today. O'Neill Cruz hit a ball very, very far. He's six seven, two twenty, playing short yeah. stuff. Like he a lot does. Of fun. It's not just that. Like he's fun and he's super talented. The craziest physical specimens also just make it look very, very, very easy. Mm. George Pickens made catches last year. Not enough of them for our liking, but he made catches when they would get him the ball that were degree of difficulty like nine point eight out of ten. And it looked like he was just kind of screwing around like, yeah, okay, you guys are impressed. So what? I do this 20 times a day. Mm -hmm. So when you see that, you get tantalized by it because if they can harness it, if Pickett and and Pickens can create that connection, they're going to be tough. I feel like Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh fans were super excited when like the the film was like of uh, Pickens just being pissed <laughs> at the ball not going his way or stuff. Where it was like, yes, this guy is like just I'm open, I get open, just give me the ball. Like there's something about it where it's I think his kind of personality really works in Pittsburgh. Well, because, I mean, Heinz yeah. Ward is a, an all time popular yeah. stealer. So watching George Pickens like highlight film be not only him making catches but him putting people right on their wallet and blocking yeah. assignments that was pretty fun for people. I do think like I do think that they bet on something being true, which was so far. And that's like you had those nebulous sort of Pickens isn't very mature because he, he's fighting the Georgia Tech guy and whatever. He uh, pretended George to Pickens. pee on uh, our, our uh, one of our players a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. he did that. too. So he pulled a water bottle Moore. like he had a water bottle like and he uh, I have you seen that video? It was uh, I it think was, I have. Yeah. Anytime I think of peeing, though, I think of Elijah Moore or whatever for yeah. Ole Miss doing that. Yeah, there's the dog, the yeah. fire hydrant. Yeah. All time. Great story. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite college football <laughs> things. Not enough fun stuff happens north of the Mason Dixon line like that. Everyone's too proper. Yeah. Um, but no, I think like Tomlin and the Steelers sort of took a calculated gamble that some of the this nebulous maturity stuff about Pickens was garbage. Mm-hmm. And you also never know who's leaking that just to try to get a guy to drop. Like they don't believe it, but they want to see if they can knock him down a couple spots in the draft. Um, they rolled the dice that George Pickens was going to be 
everything he's been so far. Like he's hyper competitive. He gets mad when he doesn't get the ball, but like who wouldn't? If you were him, I'm, he had one blow up where he got ticked off and then it blew over almost immediately. Yeah. Is he the number one uh, jersey seller right now? Is that the one number one you see around Pickett, Pittsburgh? I, no, I think Pickett would be number one now. Is um, he really? It's yeah, just I the mean, quarterback was, thing. People just well, want to. It's quarterback. It's Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh adopted son kind of guy. Mm. Um, Hayward is a big seller. Like if we're talking active Steelers, it's probably Hayward. T.J. Watt. I'm I'm burying the lead here. T.J. Mm. Watt is probably your number one by mm. by a wide margin. Watt, Pickett, Hayward. Harris Pickens is probably some order there. There you go. I like it. And I found the picture. It was he had a water bottle and was he sprayed it on Jared Garantano like when he was on the sideline and then they had to comment on it. I was like, I know he did something and it was just he was holding it down and he squirted it on uh, Jared Garantano when he was falling out of bounds at Georgia. Well, I like that. Let's see. That's that's just (laughs) good old fashioned college football rivalry behavior right there. I was like, I knew he did something. It was a couple years ago. And I'm like, I don't remember exactly what the, but yeah, that, that was it. No, he's, I mean, he has the reputation, like those guys, you know, AB obviously went pretty bad at the end, but the thing all guys will still say who played with AB is nobody worked harder. Like mm-hmm. he was just a maniac. And I think that's where some of the friction with he and Ben came from where Ben was a last in first out guy. Cause he could afford to be because he was so naturally gifted. Mm. And he had earned so much cachet by winning two Super Bowls. And like AB, I think there was some resentment there, even though they knew they were really good together. But Pickens has that reputation already as just this maniac competitor who's always working hard, like practices really well. I do think those guys do well with Mike Tomlin, by and large. Mm. Like you can you can say, oh, Mike Tomlin didn't, you know, put the put the foot down on AB enough. Well, they got basically a decade of good behavior from a guy that's probably the loosest cannon that we've seen in a while in the, in, you know, the NFL, as far as just kind of being unpredictable and unruly Mm. with teams. So I think they just know that Tomlin commands such respect, like different than a lot of other coaches can, uh, that they can draft some of these guys. And in Pickens' case, it was all BS to begin with. There you go. Uh, final question. I'll get you out of here. True or false. Mike Tomlin is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers five years from now. I always like it when people give me these and they put a good number on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you're aware the Steelers have only had three coaches since 1969. It only gets mentioned about 7,000 times. (laughs) Bill Cowher, you know, the Mm -hmm. story goes, and this is the story I think is true. He wanted to stay, but there was a money dispute. And so he Mm -hmm. just resigned. Um, He wanted more than they were willing to give. They pay Mike Tomlin a lot. He makes eight figures. Um, Art Rooney and a lot of other people in the organization have implied that they just feel fortunate to have him. Um, there's obviously a pretty vocal subset of Steelers fans that are tired of him uh, that think like, well, he hasn't won enough. They, you know, people just nitpick everything he does. I think in balance, good to, well, no, he's a very good coach who has definitely not had his best couple of years here. Um I'm hemming and hawing here because I'm trying to decide. I do believe the Steelers when they say he's coach for almost as long as he wants to be coach, unless they have three one-win seasons in a row. Mm. I think he loves coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he Mm. knows he coaches like one of the Tiffany franchises in the NFL. I think he likes what that means. I mean, we know this. I'll just straight up say it. There's a problem with getting African-American and minority coach hirings in the NFL. And I know that that eats at him. Like he doesn't say much about it, but I know it ticks him off. So I think that in addition to just 
hey, you work for a stable organization, a high profile one, you are largely very successful. I think he wants to continue to try to succeed here, especially post Ben Roethlisberger because of the message it hopefully sends to the rest of the NFL's owners. Like you are missing out on good candidates when you shouldn't, and you should really be looking in the mirror and trying to decide why that is. I like it. Um, well, there you go. Uh, this was awesome. I I'm glad we were able to do this tonight, Chris. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Happy to uh, come on with you, Chase. Well, what can we, uh, what, what do you want to plug here as we wrap up here? Uh, tonight? Oh man. Um, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, mm. I am, as a father of two, like it's harder to be active on Twitter as much as I want to be, but uh, Chris Muller, PGH, M-U-E-L-L-E-R in there, mm. Chris Muller, PGH on Twitter. Uh, I'm also trying to get hip with the kids on Instagram. Mm. Um, and that's Malsy, M-U-L-L-S-Y-937. So I do a lot of stuff on there. Is that your nickname? Uh, yeah. What's okay. that? Is that your nickname? Malsy? Uh, my, yeah, my former co-host gave it to me, just a hockey nickname, you know? Okay. You either, you're either like... Uh, it's either your last name. If it doesn't have a Y in it, it just like, you know, becomes a Z name. So it's, mm. it would be like Smithsy or whatever. Yeah. Or you can go like a malls the other way and just mm. make it plural for no reason. <laughs> so that's what he gave me and it stuck. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I write for a local paper around here. If any of your, if any of your uh, viewers are interested in Pittsburgh sports, I link all that stuff up on Twitter, but yeah, Twitter and Instagram, easiest ways to follow me. And uh, hopefully they like what they see if they choose to. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, unfortunately, I do have to root against the Pittsburgh Panthers whenever they play the Tennessee Volunteers going forward. Like, that is part of the deal. Uh, Hendon Hooker really could be a steal for somebody. He's not going to play this year, obviously. Who? He's got to sit. Hendon Hooker could be a steal. I think he I could. So, I think man. he has a chance to fall into a good situation potentially. So there's my nice word about the Tennessee Vols. Not if Mike Tannenbaum has anything to say. Going top five in his mock this week? Who knows? You know how the quickly here, you know how the <laughs> sausage is made. And I don't think they have to twist Tannenbaum's arm to do this. They tell mm. their people occasionally, can you make a reasonable case for a ridiculous thing that'll get people watching? Tannenbaum, yes, 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 I can. I can. Hendon Hooker could be in a really good situation as like, I don't know, what do you want to say? Day two, day three pick maybe. Yeah. Early day three, late day two won't play this coming year. I don't dislike what I saw him put out there on tape this year. I thought he was pretty impressive. Just a, a 10 out of 10 leader. Like that's the biggest thing is Hendon Hooker is just such a good dude and such a good leader. And he just commands the room. And we're going to see what happens with Joe Milton this year. It's going to be a little bit different, but he's the guy who stuck around. You get Nico in there the following year, just everything coming up Tennessee. And then you got Desmond Ritter, the older Trevor Lawrence era beginning here in I Atlanta. I think he could be good too. Oh, one more thing to promote. Yeah. I probably should promote my actual radio show and its actual name. <laughs> like I'm thinking uh, just social media. I tweet all yeah. this crap out anyway. Uh, I do a show called The PM Team with Pony and Muller. Uh, mm -hmm. That would be my co-host Pony, Andrew Filippone. Uh, really talented, super knowledgeable dude as well. Um, we're on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, 93.7thefan.com. You can listen to it. We have the Odyssey app, so we're in the, the big Odyssey family of stations. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, give it a listen. We screw around. We have a good time. Uh, we talk a ton of football. I don't, I'm not going to lie to your, uh, your, you know, your viewers and listeners and say we talk a lot of Tennessee, but you could. I'm a phone call away. I'm an email away, Chris. We'll it come would, up occasionally. Yeah. We might yeah. talk about something. Like if a Tennessee player, for example, pretended to defecate on a rival's logo uh -huh. 
perhaps we would talk about that then. Or you might have to talk about it anyway, because Cedric Tillman might be a, a stealer. You might Correct. have to. You there might have to grind the Tennessee Cedric, tape. There is a chance at Cedric Tillman discourse. Man, that's tough for Pitt fans to just go back and watch Cedric Tillman take because he's hurt most of last year and the best tape is the Pitt game. Like that's... Yeah, if he starts, if he gets drafted and starts catching touchdowns from Kenny Pickett, I think they'll forgive and forget very quickly. There you go. Um, well, thank you so much, Chris. This has been a blast and we'll have to do this again soon. Sounds good, Chase. Thanks for having me, man. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm -hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.